chapter number 28. Verses 18 through 20. I will read it there from the King James Version, and it reads, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He says in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. This is our third segment of our Kingdom Summit series that we're dealing with, and that is the Evangelism Summit. Raise your Bibles with me, and we'll make our declaration. Simply repeat after me. This book of the law. law. Come on, let me hear you. This book of the law law. shall not depart depart. out of my mouth, mouth. but I will will. meditate. meditate. Therein, day and night, I will observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then my way shall be prosperous, and then I will have good success. Tell somebody I'm getting ready to be blessed. You may take your seats. Thank God for all of you who are here tonight. To our facilitators, we honor you. We thank you for leading your groups tonight. Trust that you have a good time together in your in your TLC groups, reviewing some of the lessons and getting acquainted with each other and uh, preparing us for our time in the Word tonight. As we see here in Scripture, again, Matthew 28, we see there, verse 19 particularly, it says, Go ye therefore, this is Jesus talking, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, And of the Holy Ghost. That's our foundational text that we're looking at for our summit, our evangelism summit. Now, we have uh, been very clear, and I want to make it clear again tonight, that as we go into this particular summit, as we continue in this particular summit, that we have an enemy that we are targeting. On purpose, eyes wide open, amen, Uh, uh, um, planned it. We know who our enemy is. The Bible, uh, Paul taught us and he's told us that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Amen. Because if we are, Paul says, if we're ignorant of Satan's devices, then he will get the advantage of us. And so what we're, what we're doing is we are aware of him. We're alerted to his tactics, his strategies. Amen. And as a result of that, we know that one of his main things that he will use against us is us. More particularly is our flesh. I'm not talking about our skin, but I'm talking about our flesh, our, these desires that come from our lower, lower nature, these desire that comes from the old man, these appetites that we have that's born out of a life without the influence of the spirit. Amen? It's our flesh coming from our lower nature. So we are targeting our flesh. Uh, Paul taught us in chapter 7 of Romans that uh, in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. I think that's around verse number 25, I think, or something like that. But he tells us no good thing dwells in our flesh, that our flesh cannot produce anything that is good. Okay? He also teaches us, the Apostle Paul, in Galatians, to the church of Galatia, in chapter number 6, he told us that if we would sow to the flesh, we would reap corruption. Remember that? We will reap corruption if we sow to the flesh. That simply means that the flesh... 
will only produce those things that are eroding and corrosive and those things that will eat away at a quality lifestyle that we as believers have been designed to live. Amen. So the flesh can only produce those things that rot. It's like rust on a car. It begins to destroy the car. Amen. Rust gets on a car. You look at it after a while, it'll start, start creating a little hole in the car because it's eating away. It's like a, if you will, if I can use this term, it's like a cancer or so that's eating away. Okay, it's eating, eating the car away, eating the body of the car away. Amen. And so that's what the flesh does. It has this corrosive, uh, 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 corrosive uh, way that it works against us. Amen. And so what we have to do, as Paul also taught us, that we have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. We have to kill the flesh. We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. I believe it was Paul again. That's a man. He says a whole lot of stuff in the Bible, isn't he? But, but he said, I believe he was talking to the church at Corinth. He says, I keep under my body and bring it under subjection. Amen. Lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway or disqualified. So he understood that, that, that the, the, the lower nature can rise up and impair, uh, impair not only our vision, but really impair any progress spiritually. So the flesh is an enemy to any spiritual endeavor. The flesh is an enemy to any spiritual endeavor. So we have to dead, if you will, the flesh. So that is our enemy that we're targeting. And we're targeting it because we're doing something spiritual. Amen. We're doing something spiritual. We decided that we were going to live the way God designed us to live in a single lifestyle. Because singleness doesn't always mean unmarried. That's what we associate it with. But being single doesn't mean necessarily that you're unmarried. Singleness simply means to be whole and complete, entire, lacking nothing, able to stand alone. That's what singleness really means. So there are some unmarried people who are not single. There are some married people, unfortunately, who are not single. Are you with me? And we address that. That is the will of God for us to be single, to be focused, to be uh, sing- have singleness of mind, have clear direction about our lives, to be full. Amen? Then another spiritual part of, uh, uh, of what we're doing is prayer. Prayer is a spiritual activity. Flesh don't like it. I think that speaks for itself. <laughs> so now we're talking about evangelism. Evangelism, we identified last night, is the primary, the primary response, if you will, to Jesus, to the command of the Lord. He gives us that, and we see it here in Matthew 28. He says, go, he tells the disciples right before his departure, he says, go ye therefore into all of the world, and one translation says, and make disciples of all nations. Okay? So that is our endeavor. That is our assignment as the body of Christ. Now, thank God for the review. Now, let's go and let's look here at some things. So that we can continue to move forward. We said that the purpose of our lesson of this particular summit is to turn the attention of the church outside of the four walls. That the purpose of this lesson is turn the attention of the church. That we as a church body, 
that our, our attention would not be so much focused internally, but that understanding what real evangelism is all about, that we would turn our attention outside of the four walls of the church. When we come into the church, it is a center, if you will. It is really a training center. We come in, yes, we get healed. We come in, yes, we get encouraged. We come in, you know, we get saved. Amen. Now, that's part of what we do. But really, the main thrust, when it comes down to this time of the word of God, (coughs) excuse me, this is a time now that we're poured into where the word of God comes forth now that brings instruction to our lives so that we'll know how to live this life. It's wonderful being saved. Because we're supposed to be saved. Now our lives have turned around from the direction and destination of hell. And now we're going to heaven to be with the Lord for that period of time until everything is made new here. So we're going to heaven. Hallelujah. But what if we don't go to heaven right now? Because some many, many people think that the goal of salvation is to go to heaven. That's not the goal of salvation. No, because if that was the goal of salvation, then we ought to just go ahead and die right now. Let's just go ahead and give up the ghost and let's go to heaven right now. That's not the plan of God. God is, is not his plan that he, that we would receive Christ and then just die and go to hell, a heaven. It's not his plan at all. His plan is that this world, my God, would be reconciled back to him. Because of the treason that took place in the garden and the keys that have been given over to the enemy, here's what happened now. He had to, through all of these generations and all of these leadership, had to get Jesus on the scene so that, so that authority on the earth or of the earth can be recovered. Jesus recovered it. He recovered the authority. He defeated hell. So you and I don't have to go there. I thought that was a good place right there. Hallelujah. He defeated hell. Amen. He defeated hell. Overcame the grave. Defeated death. Amen. Rose above it. Resurrection power. Rose above it. Says all power is given unto me. Even in verse number 20, uh, in 18 of chapter 28 that we just looked at. He declares again, I have all power. In verse 18. So now he has all power, doesn't he? So now he has recovered the authority over the earth. And now when you and I are born again, the keys now come to us. Come on. Matthew 16. We discover there in Matthew 16. I believe it's around verse number 19 or so. But he talks to us after he tells Peter who he, after Peter identifies him by revelation, then he identifies Peter by revelation. Then Jesus says now, upon this rock, which is revelation, I'll build my church. The gates of hell, strategies of darkness shall not prevail against it. Amen. And then after he declares that, then he says, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So now those are keys of authority. That means we have the right now, the the authority now, the power now to transact heaven's business here on the earth. Amen. And we're doing it as partners with God here in the earth. So that means that once we're born again now, keys have been recovered, given to us. What's our job? To die and go to heaven right then? No, no. To transform this earth. 
to get this earth looking like heaven again. And we have the authority to do so. Y'all with me? Now, we take this authority now and we move in to what Jesus says there in verse 19. Go, he says now. You have been prepared now. You have been trained now. Now go. Yeah, go. Go now. Green lights on. Go. That means move forward. That means advance. Oh, man. That means advance. That means go into the world and change the world. Make disciples of all men. Make disciples of all nations. Just like you have been trained. We saw that. Now I want you to train others. Replicate me in them. Reproduce me as I'm reproduced in you. Reproduce me that's in you in them. We good? Okay. So now, we are to get and turn our attention, if you will, outside of these four walls. People need it. There's a song that was out some years ago. I think it was Keith Green, maybe. I can't remember who wrote the song. Steve Green. People need the Lord. I don't know if y'all ever heard that before. But that song was a powerful song, and that's the truth. People need the Lord. The world needs Jesus. John 3.16, come on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Eternal life. Everybody say sacrifice. God sacrificed his son. I want to take a few moments now. We talked about it last night, but I want to go back into this idea of sacrifice. Because before we can get outside of these walls and be effective, we have to be ready. We can go and just do it, but if we're not effective, change will not come, not the way God wants it to come. So I want to talk about this thing called sacrifice. I want to delve into that again. I can't seem to shake it. I kind of glazed over it a little bit last night. But I want to park here for a minute, if I will. Can you all ride with me? Okay. Go back there into chapter number 16 of Matthew. Mm. Hallelujah. As I ended last night, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to tell you to tell it to you again. It is my job to put an urgency inside of you concerning evangelism. It's my job. When we get done with this, I want you to be hot. I want you to be on fire. I want you to be excited about winning the lost. I'm serious. I want you to get excited about winning the lost. I want you to feel, I want you to have this I don't like to use this term so much because i got to be careful how you use it. But I want you to have this burden in you. Not so much of a heaviness that, that you're under some kind of stress. But I want you to have this burden, this, this sensitivity, uh, this sensitivity toward the loss. That, that you can't take it if we lose another one to the enemy. That, that, that you... 
that it's not a good feeling. You can't just act like nothing happened. I want us to, I want us, and I heard this term before, I want us to be able to see the lion devouring someone and we go out and we stop the lion from doing it. That we reach into the lion's mouth and we pull out the innocents. You know, we pull out those that the enemy is trying to devour. I want us to, I want, I want you to feel that way. I want to see us in that manner. Amen. I don't want you to be comfortable when the lost are going to hell. I don't want you to feel good about that. I knew it was coming anyway. No, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to get this. I don't want this rank attitude to come on us. I don't want us to get so desensitized because someone did something to us. You may have been hurt by others. I get that and it hurts. Always understand this, that the, that the Lord says, vengeance is mine. Okay. You have to be, you, you have to get that. You cannot take vengeance in your own hands. You have to release people. You have to forgive people. Come on. You got to forgive people because in forgiving them, number one, you set yourself free so that you can go forward. And then now you put them into the hands of a just God. You put them into the hands of a just God who knows exactly what they need to turn because God will not come, will not come against them to hurt or destroy them, but he will come to them and he will do that to bring them to him. That the suffering that they will experience will be that which turns them to the Lord. You and I, we want to bop them upside the head and jab them in the back. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we hope they don't, you know, we, we hope they stay down once we get done. Because what we want to do is we want to recompense upon them. We want to, we want to compensate them for what they've done to us. We want to pay them eye for an eye. Are you all with me? And we, we measure that based upon the pain, the agony that we're feeling. And so now we execute that same level of pain. So we think upon them because we want them to feel what we're feeling. We have to, we have to abandon that attitude. Forgive them, cut the cord, come on, cut the cord, release them, cut the rope, release them so that they can now be in the hands of a just God who knows how, my God, to turn them around. Are y'all with me? So, so God wants people to be saved. He don't want to see anyone lost. Second Peter 3 and 9. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all will come to repentance. That's the desire of the Lord. That should be the same desire that you and I have. If we don't have this desire, then we must visit Matthew 16. Come on. It says there, Matthew 16. Boy, I feel pretty good tonight, y'all. <clears throat> Look, look there at verse number, <clears throat> hmm. okay, verse number 24. Then said Jesus, are you there? Unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him, what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow 
me. You see that? Look at how the Amplified gives this particular scripture. He says there now that then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, to follow my order, to be a part of this discipline, if any man, he says, anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself. Watch this now. Disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests. And take up his cross and follow me. I know I lost a few of you on that one right there. Take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living, if need be, in dying also. Yeah. Yeah. So in, he's talking about you have to be sacrificial. He said, before following me, you have your own disciplines or the discipline of another. But to walk in this way, you must discipline yourself to this way. Which means that the things that are not a part and fitting, oh my God, in this walk, you must cut off. You must sacrifice. You must get rid of. So he says now we must live a sacrificial Life. Are you still riding with me? To sacrifice means to give up something for something that is more significant. To give up something for something that is more significant. I'm going to keep digging in this. We're just starting in defining sacrifice. It is to give up something for something that is more significant. When you're doing that, I'm going to keep talking, then I'll give you, I'll keep expanding on the definition. In doing that, in giving up something for something that is more significant, that means now that you have to now evaluate your time. Your time now has to come under scrutiny. You have to evaluate your time and see how much time you're giving to other things. Because the time... Whatever you give time to, you also nurture. The more time you give to something, the more nourishment you give to it. Because your time is your attention. You nurture that thing with your time. So now we have to evaluate our time because now before me, there is something that has been presented to me that now has become more significant. That offers me something that that will bring eternal life versus this temporary life. And now I have to weigh now my time that I've been given to those things. That are not eternal, that does not have eternal value to them. So now, I have to now, as, as I'm evaluating my time, I have to now start cutting things away. Can I keep talking? You have to start cutting things away that you have given your attention to 
that will not allow you to be 100 in this. Because there's some things that you can partner with that will not affect your commitment here. It blesses you and helps you and aids you in your commitment here. But then there are things that will hinder you in your commitment here. Things. Everybody say things. Then there are people. You have to evaluate your time. Because in some cases, not in all, but there are some people, if you evaluate correctly, there are some people, if you do it soberly and not emotionally, there are some people who are not good for where you're going. They're not bad people. They're not bad people. So we're not saying that they're bad people. We're just saying in order for me to keep this particular commitment that I'm making to the Lord now, that that this person does not fit within the framework of my discipline, of where I'm going, my commitment. So here is where we have to part ways. That doesn't mean that I completely disconnect from them. I still know them, but my intimate fellowship has to change. Watch this. I have to redefine that relationship. Oh, that was good right there. After, hey, 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 I have to redefine that relationship. Learned that from my daddy. You have to redefine that relationship. Because you don't have to cut everybody off, but you have to redefine that relationship. The time that you were investing, oh my Lord, investing there, you can no longer invest there. I know your problem. What are they going to think of you? I get that. Now, what are they going to think of me when I do that? Because, you know, I've made these promises to them and they walk with me in certain places. Now, now what are they going to think of me now? Well, let's put that on the table. Let's weigh that now. Because some people are sitting on the fence with that. Is God more important or are they more important? I think we've settled it right there. You have to ask the right. Hey, you have to ask the right questions. I was looking at iRobot. I was watching iRobot one time. And as I was watching iRobot, I watched it several times. I was watching, watching iRobot, right? And then I guess it was the doctor who had died. He fallen, he had died, right? But then he had in some chip, he was able to communicate different pieces. And then when Will Smith, I can't remember his name in the movie, but when he would ask a question, he said, that is the wrong question. Which means he had to rephrase his question and ask it, that is the right question. When he would have phrased. So you have to know the right questions to ask. And that's the one there. Okay, who's more important here now? Is the Lord more important? Or are you more important? Hands down. The Lord is more important. Okay. So I'm going to go this way. And so now with wisdom, I will have to uh, share uh, the direction I'm going in. Now, I hope you understand. Because I don't want you not to understand. But whether you understand or not, not trying to be cold, I have to go this way. I believe that when you make the move and, and obey God, I believe that God handles that person's emotions. 
Because I believe it, 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 it's a provoking tool that will provoke them one or two ways. Either to go astray or wake up concerning their purpose. Okay. Now, um, I'm out there on the limb. Where, where am I? Help me, y'all. Um, okay, now, sacrifice. Hallelujah. Now, so, sacrifice is that you, is giving up something for something that is more significant. I evaluate my time. Now, let me take it deeper. Can we go further with this, with this uh, understanding of sacrifice? Sacrifice is the surrender. I'm getting ready to go deep. Is the surrender or destruction of something prized or desirable for the sake of something Considered, I'll say it again, as having a higher or more pressing claim. I'll say it again. It is the surrender or destruction of something prized or desirable for the sake of something considered as having a higher or more pressing claim. Now I'm going to take you deeper. You're not going to like this one too tough, but just hang in there with me, okay? I'm going to take it a little further, okay? Sacrifice is to surrender or give up or permit injury or disadvantage to (laughs) for the sake of something else. I'm going to say that piece again. Is to surrender or give up or permit injury or disadvantage to for the sake of something else. I am willing to take a hit for your betterment. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. He took on injury. He took on what seemed to be a disadvantaged position. In the book of Hebrews, I believe it is, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Everybody say sacrifice. See, what I'm doing now is, is helping us to understand the conditioning that we must go through to be successful outside of these walls. told you people need the Lord. But they don't need the Lord with some slanted view of the Lord. We doing okay? Now, I have to take it one more step. One more step. Can you handle one more step? Okay. Sacrifice comes from the word sacrificium I'll spell it for you S-A-C-R-I-F-I-C-I-U-M can you say that again pastor okay S-A-C 
R-I-F-I-C-I-U-M. Sacrificium. Now, that is on purpose because I need you to see that because sacrificium really is a compound word. S-A-C-R-I, sacri, if you will, is from the word sacred. Deals with being sacred. Fishium or fis or fishium means to make. means to make. So now, understanding sacrifice, biblical sacrifice, thank you Jesus, understanding biblical sacrifice means that I am surrendering, my God, putting myself in a position to give up whatever it is I need to give up so that holiness can be achieved. So when I personally sacrifice, I'm positioning in myself, come on man, conditioning myself, I'm putting myself in a position where holiness now is in manifestation. Not just in my declaration, but in manifestation. And when I manifest holiness, uh, when, when I manifest holiness, then there is this burden in and on me as it relates to evangelism. I'm doing it so that that which I have now received, others receive. I'm doing what I'm doing so that holiness can be attained, achieved. I present my body, Paul says, as a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. So biblical sacrifice really is the restoration of holiness. Hallelujah. It is the presentation that we're looking to make to God. Hallelujah. It's getting back where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing, I'm I'm cutting all this stuff off so I can be right back where God put me, where he made me to be. His design. Y'all there? Somebody, Somebody say sacrifice. That's why it's so important now to evaluate your time, evaluate your relationships, evaluate the things that you are in relationship with, things and people. I think that's pretty good myself. Sacrifice. So now, let's keep moving. Thank you, Lord. You let me get that out. Hallelujah. Now. Let's define evangelism. Everybody okay? Everybody getting something from this? Okay. Now we're preparing the church. Okay. We're preparing the church. That's, this is a preparation. This is what we're doing to get ready to win the lost. Your flesh is not going to like this. But we dealt with that already. We know that. We're not surprised. 
When the flesh shows up, we're not surprised. We know what to do with it. So now evangelism is the, hmm, it's a big word, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Smart people. It is the promulgation. What in the world is that? Pro, P-R-O, mul, M-U-L, gation. It is the promulgation, which simply means to publish or to make known. The promulgation of the gospel, which is good news. Somebody say good news. Because we're going to deal, deal with that. It is the promulgation of the gospel in order to cause mankind to be reconciled to God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When we're talking in terms of evangelism, we're defining it as the promulgation, the promulgation of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, in order to cause mankind to be reconciled to God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. John 14 and 16, you can just kind of make a note of this. You don't have to go there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. In 6, rather, 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So it is this discipline that we move into. We are very clear about the purpose of evangelism, to make disciples for Jesus Christ. All right? Everybody with me? All right. Now... Excuse me. Goes without saying, but I have to say it. That if we're going to be effective in evangelism, we have to be saved. Got to be born again. Got to be born again. Why am I sweating so much tonight? It's hot. You got the heat on? All right, just double check that. Make sure we got the air on and not the heat. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Just check that right there real quick. Hallelujah. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to be. How great thou art. How great thou art. That's air. It was on heat. Okay. All right. That's all right. Just made him. Somebody made a mistake and put on the heat. Thou art and sings my soul, my Savior God to be. You know I'm going to finish it. How great thou art. How great thou Back into our lesson. <laughs> oh. All right. Now, maybe I'll cool, <laughs> cool off here. All right. So, it is important. We've got to be born again. Got to be saved. If we're going to make disciples of men through the instruction or by the instructions of Jesus Christ, then we've got to be born again. We've got to be saved. Now, the second piece to it is very important as well. 
as we move beyond John 3, 3 through 5, when Jesus deals with Nicodemus about being born again, we move to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, because not only do we need to be born again, we must be empowered by the Holy Ghost. Amen? That there has to be Holy Ghost baptism for the most effective witness. To be most effective in evangelism, we must be filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? And ye shall receive power, Jesus says, right before he leaves here. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, he says, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That simply means that Holy Ghost baptism is simply, I'm going to say it simply, an empowerment to be a witness. An empowerment to be a witness. And I'm going to be very specific. It's the Holy Ghost is not, he is not just an internal empowerment for personal improvement. But there is an external outpouring and overflow out of my life. Because it is out of the overflow now that I move beyond selfishness, personal, and I'm now able to help others. Are you with me? And as an effect (laughs) of being filled, better yet, baptized with and in the Holy Ghost... There is a heavenly language that if you and I will allow, will come forth out of us as an expression, oh my God, that helps areas of weakness in our lives. Now we qualify from a spiritual legal authorized position for spiritual gifts to flow through us so that we can bring profit to others. That we can help others. So we must be born again and we must be filled or better yet baptized in with, if you will, the Holy Ghost. Okay. Everybody shout power. power. Yeah. yeah. That's what puts the supernatural in place. Because, and I don't, I don't want to be too spooky with this and try to, but I want, I want you to keep your thinking cap on. I want you to be good thinkers. But I don't want to be too spooky. And I don't want to mess you up, you know, theological or anything like that. But... Telling people that they need to be saved is not good enough. We need to tell people or share share our faith with others or share people the salvation message from a Holy Ghost baptism position. Because hearing, I've heard people tell me I need to be saved for a long time. Right? 
And it didn't matter. There is a supernatural thing that has to occur inside of a person that draws them to Jesus. Because we have to understand, we have to move people away from their understanding that I have a bird in the hand right now, so to speak. That I have something that I can touch right now that I can plan with. Now you want to tell me that I need Jesus in my life and intangible. I can't see him. I'm born in the 19th or 20th, sorry, the 20th or 21st century, right? I wasn't born in the first century or right before when Jesus was here. I don't believe you. And then the the son of God. The natural mind can't really wrap around that. That is a spiritual truth. Because the natural truth is that Jesus was the son of Mary and Joseph. I get that. But when you tell me he's the son of God, I have a problem with that. Because the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. You know, it, it gives me that. And so now... There is a supernatural thing that has to happen that causes a man or a woman, a boy or a girl to be drawn. And when you and I are engaged in evangelism, it comes from a Holy Ghost posture, Holy Ghost power, Holy Ghost perspective. And then now, once we release that now, they don't hear Steve Hodge and his mere words. They hear the love of God compelling them and drawing them to to him who is better than anything else they have ever had. They see now the possibilities of life change here. Even a rich man who has everything, so to speak, naturally that he needs. There is something that is communicated, my God, by where the Holy Ghost that changes his heart. That makes your witness or your lifestyle believable. Are you here? So glad you are. So now I gave you these three things that we will be covering. And so let's start tapping into it now. There are three points, three major points to this lesson. The first point is telling the good news. The second point is announcing the kingdom reign of God. And the third is bearing witness. Number one, telling the good news. Number two, announcing the kingdom reign of God. And number three, bearing the good news. I'm sorry, bearing witness. Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter 5. Everybody okay? Announcing the kingdom reign of God. Mm -hmm. Again, the three points to this message really is telling the good news. Number two, announcing the kingdom reign of God. And number three, bearing witness. So we're on our first point now. I know we've covered a lot of things, but all of that really was a foundation so we can build going up. 
telling the good news. Matthew chapter 5. And we'll look there. Oh, there's so much of this that is so good. But let's look there. Uh huh. Electronics, tell you. Verse number, let's start at verse number 13. Yeah. Verse 13. It says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, are you there? Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out, and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven now as we begin to talk about telling the good news it becomes important for us to understand what good news good news in translation is what is called gospel Gospel. Gospel in definition is good news. It's good news. Jesus says it like this in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. He says, for the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Y'all remember that? For he has anointed me, watch this, to preach the gospel to the poor. That's how he starts. Preaching the gospel to the poor. When he talks about preaching the gospel to the poor, of course, he's talking about that supernatural power that's on him, that anointing that's on him to do it. And and he said, preaching the gospel, he said, preaching good news to the poor. And of course, the good news to the poor is that you don't have to be poor anymore. Okay. But how that unfolds and opens up is we must understand, you and I, if we're going to be effective witnesses, you and I have to understand that we must know what the good news is. We have to know the gospel. So the first thing I want to share with you is this. If we're going to be effective in evangelism, you got to know the gospel. you got to know good news. you got to know what the Bible says. Okay, Some of us came to Christ because someone shared with us the salvation plan, the plan of salvation. In other words, they told us about Jesus. 
How would they know about Jesus? Except it was in, it's in the word of God. So we have to, you and I must spend time in the word. We have to know what God has done for us. Amen. We have to know what he's done for us. We already know John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who's his son? Well, Jesus Christ is his son. And for this purpose, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So now we understand from that particular passage that perishing is my destination if I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So my, my, my point is we must know the gospel. We have to read the Bible. Read the word of God. Read the word. I know this is basic. I know it's simple, but it's not that simple, especially to, to some of us who are not reading. Okay. We, some of us wonder why we don't have the success that we need in life. Well, perhaps we're not in the word. Perhaps we have not come to this discipline correctly. Maybe we're still using others' words. The words that others have used to help us to connect with certain things. But we must know this word, the word of God. We have to become acquainted with it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the flesh is an enemy to spiritual endeavors. Reading the word is a spiritual activity of which the enemy does not want you to do. That's why when you read it, oh, I don't understand it. One of the pluses that we have today are the translations of the scripture. We have different translations of the scripture. You notice here I use King James Version, the traditional 16th century Elizabethan language. I use that, which is the most popular version these days. A lot of it's changing. But then I also use the amplified translation of the word which simply takes certain phrases and amplifies it, helps us to understand what was just said, and it puts it in brackets or parentheses to help us to understand certain things. I use that a lot because it helps. Amen? I also use the New Living Translation because it helps, again, to understand some of the 16th century language, Shakespearean days. I don't know if anybody that talks these and thou's. Uh, talk to some of my children, they might say that every now and then I do so, you know, because sometimes I'll say heretofore while I'm talking to them, and they're like, what is a heretofore, Dad? <laughs> you know, and it just kind of flows out. You know, then I have to reach back in and bring out the ESV version, you know what I mean? <laughs> that comes, but anyway, uh, there are different versions. Well, the ESV version, English Standard Version, New American Standard Bible. I'm just saying there are different translations because many times we say that we don't, we can't understand. Well, there are many helps out there. I feel like I'm in class right now. But there are many helps out there that will help us with better understanding of the word. And then, of course, come to church. Because when you come to church, we're going to teach you this word. We're going to get you this word. Amen. We have so many classes going on. We've got... Of course, our midweek, we've got this going on. We have our TLC that, that, that's pre to this going on. We have our classes in the morning, those, the, 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 the foundation classes, right? We have the discipleship one and discipleship two classes, soon to come discipleship three classes. We also have our MTI class, training our workers in that, cause we try to get a lot of word in you. Amen. 
And this is just a precursor to our school that we're going to be opening up. Amen. Because it is important that you and I are well-versed with a good, solid understanding. Now, you will never be able to exhaust everything in the Word of God. You, you, can't, you won't live that long to exhaust it. But there are, there's understanding that's available and there's revelation for our time that we need. See, God will give us the revelation of the Word because it keeps yielding, by the way. But he will give us revelation and understanding of the word for our time span. God's not going to give me 23rd and 24th century revelation. Because it is irrelevant to the times. Amen? So we read the word of God. We study the word of God. We get in forums where we can hear the word of God so that we can have a, a working understanding of it. So that we can use the word of God. Apply it to our lives. Amen? Amen. I thank God for the ministry that he gave us. The grace that's on our church. The grace that's on our preachers, our teachers, our ministers here. The grace that's on our leadership here. Because we are primarily a teaching church. Doesn't make us better than anybody. But that's the grace on us. Our assignment is to train. To prepare. To get people ready. You know what I mean? That's part of what we do. The educational component of our ministry is huge. And I think we're just really scraping the surface of where we're going to be. But I love where we are, though. I love where we've come from. Amen. I was telling Deke the other day, and I'll share it with you, that there are things, and many of you do it, but when... I stand before you or others stand before you and preach and teach the word of God. When you hear one word, it ought to explode and other things ought to start shooting out of it from you. Amen. You know what I mean? There should be other things. You hear one thing and all, all, all of a sudden you hear God speaking to you. Oh, yes. It's one thing I'm saying to us corporately, but individually we hear it because it fits our personal need. That's the Holy Ghost doing that. And it gives us a working understanding as to how that word is applicable in my life, in my circumstance right now. And with this relationship with the Holy Ghost, oh, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things which God has in store for them. You know I can't stop there. But it hath been revealed, come on, by, to us by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit. So there is revelation knowledge that the Holy Spirit will avail to us when we have this relationship with the Word and with Him, the Holy Ghost. Y'all with me? All right, let me come to a close for tonight. So now, as we're looking at this first point, telling the good news, in telling the good news, you and I must know what the good news is. The Bible says that you and I should be able to give an answer to everyone who asks us about the hope that is within us. I should be able to communicate my experience in Jesus Christ. I don't have to know everything. 
I don't have to know the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I don't have to know all 66 books of the Bible and all of the verses that's in the Bible. But I can tell you about my experience. Come on, Paul preached one of the premier messages. I'm sorry, Peter preached one of the premier messages and Paul reiterated it later. But Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, Holy Ghost fell, right? He's empowered now and now he steps out before the people who who believe that those who they hear speaking in their language, that they're hearing men who are drunk. Paul explains to them, this man is filled with the Holy Ghost now. He said, no, this is not what you think it is. They're not drunk as you suppose. But this is that that was spoken of the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And then he goes on and he continues to teach and preach the word of God. And then the Bible says, and with many other words, he began to share with them. And then after he got done from that initial time, the Bible says that 3,000 converts came. Because this man reached back not only, not only into his knowledge of what he learned, but into, and his Jewish background, but he reached into his experience. He walked with Jesus. And by the time he got done, here's what happens now. Holy Ghost filled man. By the time he got done preaching this message and then using other words to convince them, the power of God fell on the people. They got saved. 3,000 added to the church. One message. One message. I said one message. I said one message. I said one message. One testimony that the man gave. One testimony. The man who had a jacked up life before now filled with the Holy Ghost now sharing. People running. I'm used today. Running to the altar. Giving their lives to Jesus. Amen. People were convinced. Holy Ghost released. Bringing conviction upon the hearts of men. And they come to Jesus. So we have to know the gospel. Okay, I'll leave you with this tonight. Not only, part eight, we ought to know the gospel, read the word of God, study the word of God, get in a place where the word of God is being taught, learn the word of God, but also we must not only tell of the good news, we must be good news. Some of y'all didn't catch it. Not only do we tell... Of the good news, but we must be the good news. There should be that which I am declaring, that which I am sharing, that which I am preaching, I am. I am a recipient of what I am preaching. So the witness of what I'm saying is my life. Someone should be able to look at you and know that there's something different about you. To the point that when you're speaking, sharing, declaring the gospel, they can look at you from head to toe and believe you. Because they see it on you. 
You are the good news that you tell about. You are the good news. That don't mean you have everything you have on have to be expensive. But you are to be a representing agent of him. That his goodness, his favor, come on, come on, on you. The good news, the benefit of being saved, you see it. You should be able to see it. You may not be able to detect what it is. You might ask me about my cologne. Come on, men. Or my perfume. Come on, ladies. You might refer to my hairstyle and or color as the difference. But when you try to reason within yourself, they're trying to, they really, it's not your hair, really. It's not what you smell like, really. It's just you. There is an aura. There is something about you. I have had people say that there is a certain glow on you. I have had people say that as you stand up there, pastor, I see white wings behind you. Someone drew a picture of what God showed them as I was standing up here a couple of years ago. And there were wings that were coming out from behind me. But the presence of this winged being was bigger than I was. Yeah. Yeah. There's a glow. There's something about you. It's not the oil on your face. There's a glow. There's something uniquely different about you. You have on the, you shop at the same place I shop at. But there's something that is emanating from you. My God. Because not only are we telling the good news, we are the good news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, elbow two, three people and tell them, I am good news. 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 I am the recipient of a good God. Hallelujah. He is on me. He is in me. That that which is in me is now reflected on the outside of me. Glory to God. Something different about you. Amen. Yeah. We've got to be the good news, y'all. Tell the good news, A, and we have to be the good news that we're telling about. And I'm going to leave you right there, and we'll pick it up on, today's Tuesday, right? So we'll pick it up tomorrow. I know, I know, I know. I just, I just wanted to say that because I want to go tomorrow too. Okay, but we're going to, let's see what time. We're going to stop there. Amen, because you can't tell it all in, in one setting. But I want to stop there because I'm going to give this to you in doses. So that we can begin to mutter it. We can begin to meditate on this. Come on. Begin to do what the cows do. Amen. When the cows start chewing on a thing, on the grass, when they swallow, you think they swallow, but they put it into a pouch. Amen. And then when they want to chew on it again to get some more of the stuff out of the grass, they 
call it back up, and they begin to chew again. I want you to meditate on this. Amen. Because evangelism, evangelism is the primary call of the church. It is the promulgation of the good news of Jesus Christ that causes men to be reconciled to God. Stand to your feet with me. After you finish your notes, the last little pieces, then go ahead and stand to your feet with me and worship with me just for a moment. Just worship with me just for a moment. Thank you, Jesus.